0: Welcome to another inspirational teaching from Faith Family Church by Senior Pastor Mike DeBenke. For more information about our ministry, visit us on the web at myffc.tv. It's important to um, be reminded who's standing with you and uh, who's part of the vision of what we're doing here. And when the devil comes to say, uh, you're not going to do it, I say, oh, no, me and all my, all my peeps, we're hanging. Right. And we're hanging on to what God's doing, amen? Right. And uh, we are victorious in Jesus' name. Amen. And we will complete that which he has given us as our calling. And a lot of people say, well, I just go there. No, 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 if God placed you here. He's got you here for a reason, and part of that reason is to make sure that we're here for the next people that come in, because there's a whole world out there right now that is shaken to the core. Everything they've had confidence in, everything that they've focused on is now, you know, kind of shaky, and I, you know, I don't, I don't say a lot about politics, um, I really believe that, that that's not my role in your life, but I do want to say this, um, with the election coming up, and so much going on is remember, if you're a born-again Christian, if you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but you know who you are. The Bible says that it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And it goes on to say that we are now ambassadors of Christ, which means we represent the will and values of God. Amen? So I want to encourage you, when you vote, that you investigate and you check out and that your vote represents the will and values of God and not yours. And you can't say, well, yeah, but Pastor Mike, you don't understand. My family's always voted this way. It's not about your family anymore. Now it's about who you are in Christ and what you can do to extend and, and, and forward the cause of Christ. You say, yeah, but Pastor Mike, I don't like that guy. Well, you know what? Neither one of those guys are perfect, just like none of us are. And you don't look who's perfect. You look to God and say, God, who's going to further Your kingdom? Who's going to who's going to maintain the freedoms to worship You? And who's going to do it in a way where You're glorified, to the best of their ability, which may not be that great. I mean, you know, it. it, I I think it's shocking that that out of a country, the greatest nation on the earth, we come down to the people we come down to to vote for. Uh, And I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying you would think there would be like some superstar who just does everything right, but the truth is none of us are that. We all have failings, we all have, have things in our life that, that are embarrassing and we're gonna see somebody today in our, in our message that was exactly that, but yet God was able to, to meet him, get to him and use him in such a powerful way and your vote matters, amen? So I just wanna encourage you, vote based on biblical values, not what you've been told or what you've watched, do your, do your own homework, and let God lead you, because this election is probably the most il- the most important election that we have ever seen in this country. Amen? So I just want to encourage you to do that. And that's all of my political standing, and that's, you know, and I'm not telling you who. I'm telling you to investigate and let God lead you. Amen? So... Praise God. Father, we just thank you for today. We are here expecting to receive from you. We didn't just come here to get our conscience cleaned. We came here to be loved on by your Holy Spirit. We expect above anything else that when we leave, we're going to be better than we were when we got here. And we declare by faith that we have ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to receive everything that you have for us. And Father, with the compassion that you've poured in our hearts, we pray for those people in Louisiana who have just gone through another hurricane Floridians, we know what that's like and we know what a struggle it can be, so we pray for them now. We ask you to bring the resources, the supply and the provision to them. Mobilize your church so that your love pours out in such a way that they know it's you and Father, meet their needs right where they're at. Give our officials wisdom and insight on how to to get things going in the right direction and, and to protect and preserve what those people have up there, what's left. And we just thank you that we can count on you to make the difference in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, we're going to go ahead and continue our our message on what keeps you up at night. And to be honest with you, I was very shocked that um, 60% of people struggle with getting a good night's sleep. I mean, that means if you look around, six out of the 10 people around you did not get a good night's sleep last night or struggled with that. Now, don't look around and say, oh, I can tell. I can tell she didn't (laughs) get one. Because that's not nice, you know? You don't want to do that. But I mean, so many people... Missed out on good sleep last night. And Pastor Chris isn't teaching today, so they're not going to be able to catch up. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Now listen, if you were here last week, then you know I kind of teased my son, Pastor Chris. Um, But here's the truth. If you joke about something that's almost true, that can be really mean. That's called teasing or ridiculing. But if you joke about something that's completely outside of the realm of reality, then it's just a joke. We all know that Pastor Chris is a great teacher. I know that you guys love him. Actually, I had people... I had people come to me last time he taught, and it's probably why he hasn't taught again, and said, Pastor Mike, you better watch out for your job. So, No, I'm just kidding. I I love it when he preaches. It's discern. The discernment he has from the Word is so relevant to, to what we're going through and what we're facing, and it wipes off all the distractions and the religious junk. It just makes it real. And that's what I love. So now I appreciate it. You know I'm just teasing you. So anyway, let's go on. We're looking around and we're seeing that, that um, there's people here that are struggling. And you know what? It's, it, it's not the fact that they can't sleep. It's what's causing them not to sleep that we want to address. You know, you came in and you smiled and even though you had a mask on, people could tell that you were smiling a little bit. You know, your eyes kind of do different when you smile. And uh, you, you come in, you sit down, and, and you're looking good, and you got your, your, your church face on, and um, the people around you don't know that you've got some struggles going on in your life, those hidden struggles of life that, that show up in our quiet times, mainly. Um, they don't know that some of us are, are and I'm just kinda, I, I heard, I'll be honest with you, I heard this series from, from another minister, uh, somebody I really look up to and has poured into my life, and I actually go to meetings every year to have him pour into my life, and his name's Gerald Brooks, and I'm I'm just trying to present it to where it will bless you the way it blessed me. And there was a lot of it in there where I didn't realize, and it was almost like, whoa, you know? And then I had to decide, because you never wanna preach to the congregation what God is dealing with you about. Um, so I really sought God and prayed about it, and he said, no, no, this is not just for you. <laughs> this is for everybody. So uh, that's why we're presenting this message, and, and um, there's some things we're gonna find out today that really hit home with me. I know that um, there's, there's some of us maybe with some of those inner battles that nobody sees uh, deals with anger. I used to have a very bad temper, very bad temper, and uh, so bad that when I lost my temper, I hurt people. Uh, not my wife, never did that. This all was done early in my life, and uh, I, I got involved in a lot of things I shouldn't have gotten involved in, did some things I shouldn't have done, and a lot of it was because I had these ongoing things on the inside that I didn't deal with. Um so mine was anger and uh, frustration with people maybe yours is stress maybe you're facing stress right now and you come into church and you give everybody the bones you know that's what we call it when we hit knuckles uh, that's what I call it and if you're cool it's what you call it just <laughs> but anyway um that's what me and Noah call it, call it so but maybe you're dealing with stress and you you've got stress in ways you never never imagine with what's going on uh maybe you you you've got some other battle going on but the truth of the matter is a lot of our uh, things that keep us up at night are battles that are going on inside of us. And and I think that um, as we dig into God's word, maybe he'll enlighten us and show us some things that will help, o- help us deal with our struggles so that we can get that rest that's so important. I mean, the studies that are out about how important your sleep is, it's just incredible. And I dealt with insomnia for years. I mean, I just couldn't sleep. I'd be up all the time and uh, very seldom sleeping more than an hour at a time, and very difficult. And what, what came to um, my awareness was a lot of it was not dealing with issues, but just trying to get th- through the day, you know, not really dealing with it. And um, there's some things in this message that really struck home for me, and I, I believe that it will for you too. I mean, medical science has tried to figure it out. They, they've done studies... Ch- um, Harvard School of Business actually did a study. And um, they did a study in, in such a way where they were looking to find out what is the one thing that can help you to be more effective in life. You know, because if you if you don't get sleep, you're, you're groggy, you're, you're not gonna be that effective. And everybody wants to be effective in life. Nobody ever had a goal, know. I, I just don't wanna make a difference. You know, I mean, at least I hope you didn't because you're here on purpose with a purpose. And our, our job as a church is to help you discover that but people want to be effective, so they did this study, and you know, the, the um, Harvard their School of Business or whatever, that, that, that pretty much is, is focused on the CEOs and the executives and, and very accomplished people in life, and, and the study was something they felt was very important, so they started going through all these areas of life, and uh, what's the one thing that can make you more effective in life? And they said, well, you know, uh, maybe it's exercise, you know. Maybe, maybe if you get the right kind, maybe, you know, yoga or, you know, you buy a bike where you can see other people sweat while you're riding it in your living room. Or, you know, I don't know, whatever it is, you know. Um, mayb- maybe it's some kind of exercise. Or then it was, you know, maybe it's diet. And they had these eight things. I don't remember what all of them were. I apologize for that. But one of them was diet. Maybe if you, you eat the right foods at the right time. Maybe if you're, you're vegan or you're vegetarian or you're keto. or I don't think it was keto at that time. It's an older uh, test. But anyway, whatever it is, they say, well, maybe that'll make you more effective. And then, well, no, maybe it's your relationships and, and your relationship capacity. So, you know, if you get those people in your life that build you up and uh, those life coaches and those, you know, people who, who speak into your life, maybe that will make you more effective. And the people who did the study were totally baffled when, when the results came out because exercise alone doesn't make you more effective. Diet alone doesn't make you more effective relationships, mentors, uh, life coaches, stuff like that, that alone does not make you more effective. The one thing, the one thing that makes you more effective and a better chance to be a success in life is a good night's sleep. Isn't that incredible? I mean, I, hadn't, I had no idea it was that important. I just, you know, I, it was always fleeting for me, so I just thought you just had to get through. But the, the reality is that so many people struggle with with getting a good night's sleep, and you know if it's that many people struggling with it, there's, there's got to be something behind it. The enemy is there because he doesn't want you at your best. He doesn't want you, you know, able to, to, to become the very best that you can be, to be, especially as born-again believers, so that we can be the, the influence in the world that God wants us to be. Of course, he wants us tired, sluggish. Actually, your health is compromised. All different kinds of conditions come from a lack of rest and it, it's just incredible. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at this guy named Jacob in the Bible and we're gonna see that he had trouble sleeping too. And uh, as, we, as we dig in and kind of peel this back, we're gonna see that maybe some of the things he went through, we might be able to relate to and if we address them the way that God's leading him to address them, then maybe we won't have so many things keep us up at night, amen? You guys with me? Sound like a good message? All right, we're gonna start in Genesis 32. Genesis 32, and we're going to look at Genesis 32, starting in verse 22. Now, this is talking about Jacob, and it says, And he arose that night. Now, I think we've all been there where we've been laying in bed, and we're trying to sleep, and we're just not able to get to sleep. And you try and try and try, and then finally you give up, and you say, I'm just going to get up. And you get up and go do something because you're tired of just laying there. Well, that's exactly what happened with Jacob. He's laying there to the point where he can no longer just lay there. So he gets up at night And as he, as he starts to go do something, the Bible says in verse 24, it says, and Jacob was left alone. Now he's alone. He couldn't sleep. He gets up and then while he's alone, look what the Bible says there, he wrestled with a man. Now this is, you know, it's a little perplexing for right now, but we're going to find out exactly who this man was and what was happening there. And it wasn't just a momentary thing. It wasn't like he got up, walked around, had a cup of cold milk and went, or warm milk and went back to bed. No, he was up all night, the Bible says. It says he wrestled with the man until the breaking of day. So as we get a picture of what's going on here and we start looking to see, well, what are the things that keeps Jacob up? We're gonna see some, some, some insight to realize that with Jacob, and we're gonna look at Jacob's life, that a lot of times, you know, we create our own sleepless nights. There's some things that we do or don't do that can actually cause us to not rest well and and to not be at peace. And those things left unaddressed will keep you in that cycle of being anxious and up at night, make sense? So we can be the one who actually keeps ourselves up. We can make some decisions that maybe cause us to keep from, from being at peace. And Jacob, as our case study, we're going to look at him, and we're going to see that, that he made some decisions that, that, that would make anybody not sleep well and, and you know, be anxious. And uh, we're going to see that uh, as he goes through this, that his, his stress or his, his uneasiness seem to be multiplied at night. And I know with me, that's the way it was. Because during the day, I can be distracted by all the activities around me. I can, I can like a church, you're here, everything's great. You know, you could kind of hide in the crowd. But when it gets quiet at home and you're there by yourself and Donna's head's on the pillow and she falls asleep like that, then I'm, I'm alone. And, and I'm struggling. And you know what happens is when there's no other distractions to, to take my mind, then I'm clear to think about the things that are bothering me. Think about the things that are stressing me or pressuring me or are weighing on me. And what happens is that at night, it's kind of hard to hide from that. And this is why so many people struggle with a good night's sleep. Because when you're up and the TV's on, when you're up and you're, you're hanging with your friends or you're up and there's a lot going on, it's easy to stay distracted and put that in the background. But once everything quiets down, guess what? It's still there and people end up having to deal with it and if they don't deal with it right they end up like Jacob where they 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 get up and they have to they have to start walking around next thing you know they find themselves wrestling you say well what does that mean to wrestle well here's the thing we we live in a in a world where Jacob even though there was a lot of people around him at this point he ended up being separated and alone and in a world right now where we are more able to connect, we're more connected now than any generation in history. You have a connection, a direct connection to people based on your phones, your Instagram, your Facebook, uh, your emails, you have a, more of a direct connection now than any generation in history. But do you know right now in our society, loneliness is at epidemic levels? People are declaring that even though they have all this connection, they still feel very much alone. And see, when you feel alone, you feel vulnerable. And that can weigh on you and cause you to be uneasy and to keep you up. And, and Jacob was alone. He was in a place where he felt like he was all alone. And the thing that I've learned in ministry, and, and I've heard this from other pastors, is that a lot of times people will equate feeling lonely with a time when God is actually trying to draw them into some one-on-one time. But because they're so used to keeping something going all the time, I got to keep this going. Who's who? Facebook? Who you know? Who liked? Who didn't like? You know? Let me see the Instagram. And and do I have any emails? You know? Uh, when everything quiets down, and God's trying to pull them into because God's not going to compete with your Facebook. That's your choice. He he's not going to come in and shut it off. He'll be there. He never leaves you nor forsakes you, but he also never forces you. So he's waiting on you to make time for him. And what we're going to learn from Jacob is it's it's the time we spend with God that helps us deal with all those other issues. Does that make sense, you guys? This this is going to help us if if we'll get into it, and if we learn that um, maybe God's just kind of tugging on me. See, if 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 you allow the lie to be that when things get quiet, and because you're afraid of dealing with the real issues that are turning around on the inside of you you have to run to some sort of entertainment, some sort of distraction, God's never going to be able to get a word in. You're never going to take your focus to let it settle enough to where you're able to hear, and God describes this in his, in his word in that still, small voice. He's not louder than the TV. Netflix is much more demanding than God is. You've got to stay tuned. You've got to keep watching, or you're going to miss something, and God's just going to sit there. You say, Pastor Mike, you're starting to make me feel guilty. I'm not. I just want to make you aware. I want to make you aware of the things that are pulling for your attention. Some of them may be keeping you in in an unrested state, in a a place where you're not feeling the peace of God. And those things can keep you up at night. Does that make sense? Because the truth is, we were created to be in an intimate relationship with God. We were created to have a one-on-one relationship with God. It's not designed to be you and then somebody that represents God and then God. Uh, you know, that, that all went away when Jesus came. And we saw where God wanted that kind of a relationship over and over again in the Old Testament, but they resisted. When, when God wanted to be the children of Israel's God, and they said, no, 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 we don't want to be that close, we want a king. You know, they said, we want a king. God says, you don't need a king, I'm right here. Now, no, he wanted to be their king. He wanted them to, to draw close to him. They said, no, 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 we, we need, we want you to, to give us a king, and then you talk to the king, he'll talk to us, and that's why, you know, they, they were not comfortable being that close to God. And I'll be honest with you, there's a lot of people in the world today that aren't comfortable being that close to God. And the reason is they don't know him. They think he's some big scary guy who's mad at him. They don't know he's a loving father that only wants to help them and get them to a better place. They've been preached at their whole life that he's going to get you and your, your, your troubles are because he's judging. And those are lies to keep you away from God. Where if you really know who God is, you're going to run to God. Amen. Amen? And God's the one, when you're in God's presence, it brings peace. It, it brings understanding. It brings clarity on what to do next instead of your head spinning all the time. And what we have to understand is that when when God's doing this for us, He he wants to get us close. When the children of Israel were brought out of of Egypt in bondage, and and God did such incredible things, part of the Red Sea, did all kinds of stuff. He brought it to Mount Sinai, and Moses said, All right, God's going to show. God manifested just a portion of Himself, and the people were all so intimidated, they pulled back and said, No, 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 no. Moses, you go talk to God. And, and whatever God tells you to tell us, we'll do it. But we don't, want to, we don't want to be that close to God. People resist God because they think they're disqualified from being in God's presence. And they lose sight of the fact that, you know what, it's not about your perfection. It's about the perfection of your Savior who already paid the price. You know what, God knew you weren't perfect, and that's why he sent his perfect son to be the perfect sacrifice so that you could be perfectly redeemed and back into a place where you can have that intimate, close relationship with God. You see how this is working? We're going to something. Now, here we look. We're going to look at Jacob's life. He can't sleep. He's up. He's, he's, he's wrestling with some man who wasn't there, but then he was there. I mean, things just aren't going well. And, you know, he, he's all, you know, tore up because he can't sleep and stuff. And, you know, it's kind of like a movie. When, when you're watching a movie and, and you see all this stuff happening and it's perilous times, and boy, what's, how are they going to get through this? And then it stops and you see this banner go across and it says like 12 hours earlier. Well, what I want to do is I want to go, you know, a little time earlier to give you a backdrop of how Jacob got to the place where he's alone and he can't sleep and he's up walking and then some man shows up and he starts wrestling with him all night long. So what we're going to do is we're going to look into Jacob's life and we're going to see what is it that kept G- Jacob up? What was it that, that caused Jacob not to be able to sleep? Well, if you've read your Bible much, in Genesis, you'll know the story of Jacob. Jacob was, uh, he wasn't the good guy. I mean, you know, he, <coughs> excuse me, almost sneezed on you. <laughs> um, but, you know, whenever God puts you in the Bible, and I am so thankful God didn't put my story in the Bible Because God puts you on blast. I mean, he says everything you do right, and he says everything you do wrong. And he lets the whole world know. And everybody, from the time the Bible was written till whenever God comes back, uh, or even, you know, his word stands forever, you can always open that Bible and say, oh, let's see what happened with Jacob. Oh, Jacob, why'd you do that? That was was a very smart, you know. So God puts your life on blast. He tells you details. But the reason he lets us know the details of Jacob's life is so we can kind of look to our own life and see if we have some of those same things going on. Does that make sense? Yeah. You guys with me? Yeah. So as we look at Jacob and we, and, and we let him, we find some things out about him. We find out that he's a manipulator. This guy, he was a scoundrel. He manipulated his brother Esau. He manipulated him out of the two most important things in their culture. He manipulated him out of his birthright for being the firstborn. And he re- manipulated him out of the blessing that the father would, would pronounce over the firstborn, and it was a blessing that, that had a lot of power in it, and, and it made a big difference in people's lives, and Esau came in, and he manipulated his brother out of that. In the process, he lied to his dad, Isaac. He went ahead and had this whole scheme planned where he was gonna disguise himself, and he was gonna lie to his dad, uh, so he's a manipulator, he's a liar, he's a schemer. Um, he scammed people. Uh, after he, he did that to his brother, his brother said, okay, all right, you got me. His dad was very old. Isaac was very old. The Bible says that the light in his eyes was dim. He was about to die. And uh, Esau said, well, all right, dad's going to die. As soon as the morning's over, I'm going to kill my brother. And he fully intended on killing Jacob. So Jacob's decisions gave him, brought him to a place where he was not very comfortable or welcome where he was. So um, the, the mom uh, Rebecca, she heard what Esau was going to do, and and Jacob was her favorite. She was actually a co-conspirator in a lot of the schemes. I mean, she, you can see where he got it from, to be honest with you. Um, but um, so she heard Esau say, "I'm going to kill him." So she went to Isaac, and she said, "Isaac, listen, I I need you to to tell tell Jacob he's got to go somewhere else because if he marries another woman like Esau's wife, my life is over." You know, a little mother-in-law issue there. You know, I don't know what I'm going to do if he marries a woman like that. So we need to send him off where he'll meet a good woman. And she came up with the idea of sending Jacob. I'm giving you the backstory. Sending Jacob off to where her family was from. And so they sent Jacob and told him to go to his uncle Laban's, uh, who became his employer. As soon as he got there, he started scheming and scamming again. Jacob is just, he's the guy that always looked for the easy way. He's the guy that always looked to cut corners. He's the guy that would call, like my friend Vilja got a call the other night from the IRS at night saying that you owe taxes and, you know, there's a warrant that is ready to be, um, you know, enforced. Right now, if you don't pay over the phone right now, the IRS is coming to get you. They're probably close to your door right now, you know. That's the kind of guy Jacob was. He's always scamming and scheming and stuff. And, you know, he's doing that, he's doing it with his dad, he did it with his brother, he did it with Esau, and and I, I, I always, you know, I always like to look into things, and one of the things that really threw me for a while, after I got to know Jacob and what kind of guy he was, was all the different times in the Old Testament where God would make a declaration of who he was, and he would say this, he would say, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'd sit there, i say, okay, I could see Abraham, you know, father of faith, he you know did some tremendous things he believed and yeah i i could see that isaac yeah isaac did some amazing things he 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 redug his dad's wells helped provide provision for the children of israel <coughs> he um he learned and actually taught and was an example to people of of what it meant to put god first and to be a giver in life and to be generous uh, he did some amazing things and then you get to jacob and you're thinking is this a misprint God, how are you the God of Jacob when he was such a loser? And as we go on, here's something I want you to kind of stick in your pocket and take it with you because it's very important that you remember this. And you may have somebody in your family that needs to hear this, is that you don't have to be perfect for God to be your God. You don't have to do everything right for him to be your God. He's there for you if you'll just turn to him. Amen? And and we're going to find out that that's exactly what he did in Jacob's life. Um, let me just get a drink real quick. So here's Jacob. He's this guy that, you know is 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 just not not a good guy, but yet God's still showing up. He's showing up in his troubles in the form of jesus. and and as as we find that the man he's wrestling with is actually Jesus um, who is trying to influence or lead Jacob, you say, well, what, how exactly is that Jesus in the New Testament? How could he be in the Old Testament and stuff? And what you'll find it in like it little Bible school teaching is there's a, there's a thing called Christothenes. Christo- let me let me double check the word here because um, Bible school was a long time ago. Um, where did my notes go? So it's a pre-incarnate. Uh, visitation of jesus christ in the old testament it's called a christophanies and what that means is that, that jesus literally shows up there's a visitation where he physically shows up before he was actually born to to mary and joseph he actually showed up manifested himself in a visitation and that is who that they're wrestl- that that jacob is wrestling with he is this this precarnate visitation from jesus now, as he's going here, we realize that the reason is, and, and Jacob's struggling to sleep, is because his past has caught up with him. I don't know if you guys have ever experienced that, but I have, where I've done some things, think it's on the sly, you think, okay, I got past that, it's good, and then all of a sudden it shows up again. You guys ever been there? You ever know somebody that's faced their past when it wasn't really a convenient time? So here he is, he's getting there, and his past has caught up with him, and he he has a decision to make, and, you know, he, he did cheat his brother, he lied to his dad, he swindled his His uncle, he did all of these things. But even though he is guilty of that, he has to make a decision. And guys, here's what I want you to hear is that you don't have to let your past dictate your future. You see, Jacob was in a place. His past was catching up with him. He was about to face some real problems from the fruit of the seeds that he had sowed in his life. And now he's he's here in this mess And he has a decision to make, like a lot of us do. We all come to this point where are we going to let the things that happened in the past dictate where our future takes us? Some people just keep repeating it until a point of destruction. But we have a choice because God is the God of the imperfect. He will be your God if you let him. He will get you to a place where he can guide you out of the situations you've got yourself into and really, if, if we understood that probably the biggest troublemaker in our lives, if we're honest, usually is the guy looking in the mirror. And there's an old proverb that says that if you could kick the guy in the seat of the pants that's caused you the most, most trouble, you wouldn't be able to sit down for a month. Because a lot of times, we bring our own troubles, we bring our own problems, our own situations, and, and we find ourselves having to deal with it when it's really just, man, it's a terrible, terrible struggle. So we're gonna dig in for the next two days and we're gonna find out how did Jacob get to the place where he couldn't sleep, what were some keys that maybe we can identify and then we can change those from ourselves, amen? Amen. The thing that happens is when we get ourselves in trouble, a lot of times we wanna look to other people to get us out. In Genesis 32, 24, it says Jacob was left alone. I'll tell you, you, you need to highlight that in your word because there's gonna be times where you are in a place based on things that you've done that other people can't rescue you. Other people can't come and make the difference. And you're going to either need to go through that situation or you're going to need to have a relationship with God where he can get you through that situation. I mean, it's that important. There are going to be circumstances in your life based on your decisions that are going to take you to places you don't want to be. That's because we're not perfect. We all mess up. We all sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. And there's a lot of times in our society where we don't want to own that. We want to complain and say, well, you know, it's so-and-so's fault. It's it's the government's fault. They should have done this or that elected official He should have done that or these people, you know I wouldn't be in the shape if it wasn't for that if it wasn't for this when in reality We ignore the fact there are things that we should do ourselves Now I know this is kind of like a corrective message, but if you can get the correction You can get to a place where you can sleep at night You can get past the struggles that are keeping you up and causing you bigger troubles and causing you problems. Don't complain about everybody else. Actually, when you find yourself in those positions, I would encourage you to stop, shut everything off, get with God, and say, God, is, is, is what's my responsibility in this? What have I done? There's going to be times where you're wrong by other people. There's going to be times where the enemy, talking about you know demonic forces, are attacking. There's going to be times where you messed up. And you need to know what exactly happened so you know how to proceed. And you need to stop and say, God, what decisions do I need to make now? Not what should have been. Don't live the shoulda, coulda, wouldas. What do I need to make now so that I can get past this? And God's the only one that knows that. He's the only one that has that insight because he's outside of time. He can look down and say, oh, well, Donna, here's what you need to do. Stop doing this every day and and don't do that. And just do this. And next thing you know, with God's grace, you're led right out of the situation. You're led to a better place because he, oh, he came so that we could get to a better place. Why am I telling you this? Because I hear when I meet with people, so many people struggle, but as we, we keep dealing with it, we keep peeling it back. Yeah, that person did this. Yeah, I went through this. And oh, the economy and you know, my job and stuff. But as we peel it back, we find out that the root of a lot of this stuff is based on decisions that are made by the individual. And they just don't want to take account of it. They don't want to take responsibility. And I know pastors, you know, we, we're reluctant to teach a message where we tell you, you have, to, you have to take responsibility. But it's until you take responsibility, you can actually see clearly how to get out of that situation. If you don't take responsibility, you just keep doing the same thing over and over again. If it's always somebody else's fault and you always end up in the same place, you're not helping yourself. Does that make sense? So the verse goes on to say, and there he wrestled. And he's wrestling with this, this Christophanes, this, this visitation, this pre-incarnate visitation of Jesus Christ. And what he's going to find out is as he's wrestling. See, wrestling, I wrestled in school. Wrestling is when you're trying to manipulate the other person into a place where you can pin them, where you can stop them. You can defeat them and keep them from, from overtaking you. So he's wrestling and, and, and here he is, Jacob, because his whole life has been a life of scheming and scamming and lying and being deceitful. He's wrestling. Now, he knows he's wrestling with God. This is something that's going to come out. And he realizes that. And he knows that when God's trying to get you to do something, you know, you should do it. But he's so self-centered and so focused on the way that he's learned to operate that he's actually trying to wrestle and manipulate God. And he's not giving into the fact that you know what some of my my situation what got me to this place is probably based on decisions I've made and God wants to lead me out of that. What he's actually doing is wrestling and and we're going to see that instead of willing to being willing to jump into God saying, "Hey, do this," he's he's only focused on himself wrestling trying to trying to get the better part of this even though he realizes he's wrestling With God, he's gonna find out that um, God's bigger and stronger than him. One of the things, I never understood this part is that, and until I heard this message, that the Bible says that Jesus, while they're wrestling, and as they wrestle, and it goes on too long, Bible says they wrestle all night to the break of day, and Jesus says, let go of me. And Jacob said, I'm not gonna let go of you. So Jesus actually touches him in his hip, right at the top of his thigh, and it says that it caused his thigh to be disjointed, to be out of joint. I never understood that. I was like, is that like that's kind of you're not supposed to do that in, in wrestling, you know why would God do that and And the doctor explained it this way that the very strongest muscles in your body are right here where your hip and your 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 thigh connects. It's the strongest muscle in your body. and the reason that Jesus touched him there and caused his joint to be to be to go out is because We, a lot of times, in our strengths, we don't go to God very often. Matter of fact, we don't really need God because it's our strength, so we're focused on what we can do, and we keep going, and we're usually not very open to God leading us when we're operating in our strengths. So what Jesus was doing was he was challenging the very strongest point of Jacob, because Jacob always manipulated, always deceived, always lied to get what he wanted, and now he's not able to manipulate this person he's wrestling. And as a matter of fact, the person he's wrestling, to show him that his strengths are not enough to get him where he needs to be, he touches him in the hip, and so, just touches him in the hip, and suddenly his hip is out of, out of joint. He's got him to the place where he realizes he's not going to be able to go on. Jesus says, hey, let go of me. And Jacob says, I'm not going to let go of you. He says, I'm not going to let go of you. And we're get, this is where we're going to get to today. He says, I'm not gonna get to let go of you until you bless me. Now see, the thing is that as we start looking at this and we start realizing that if you're wrestling with something, if there's something keeping you up at night, you need to find out what it is. See, Jacob had some situations in his life, he had some practices in his life that was causing him repetitive problems and, and getting him in situations where he couldn't sleep. They were, they were stealing his peace. And see, if we don't take the time when we're, when we're restless, when we're not able to sleep, if we've got things going on in the inside of us that are stirring us up, if we don't take the time to find out what it is, like you could be laying on your bed and fluffing your pillow, throwing it around, doing everything, trying to get sleep, but most likely it's not really a pillow problem. There's people with perfect pillows that can't sleep because they've got these things going on and they're not addressing them, they're not finding out, what it is. It's like the intern that was working at the hospital, and he, he he was brand new, so you know, all the cases would come in, he'd get the easy ones to start with. And this little boy, three or four years old, came in and he's he's having a little trouble breathing, he's labored breathing and stuff, and the doctor looks at him and says, Oh, well, it's obvious this is an upper respiratory infection. So he writes him a couple scripts and says, Here you go, take these. And if he's not better in a few days, bring him back. So They take the medicine, parents take him home, a few days he comes back and they say, hey, he's not any better. So the doctor's like, oh man, I, I don't know what's going on, this poor little boy, he's not able to breathe very well, so let me check into this and see what it is. So he does a more thorough, more extensive examination, he gets his scope out and as he looks into his nose to see what could be causing the labored breathing, he finds a jelly bean that had been placed there by his older brother. So he gets the tools out, takes the jelly bean, removes it, and suddenly the little boy can breathe fine. And the point is that jelly beans in the wrong place can cause you real problems. (laughs) So, thank you for coming today. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) That intern wrote himself a note that day. And in that note, he wrote, never forget to check for jelly beans. And the thing was, he carried that note well into his, for years, well into his medical practice. And what he meant by that is stop treating symptoms and start treating the cause, and see what we do in life, especially in our prayer life, we don't want to get real close to God, I'm getting ready to close guys, anyway, I want you to hear this, and next week we're going to unpack this even further, but we want to locate where we're at, everybody, uh, six out of ten people struggle with getting good sleep, but even if you get good sleep, there might be some things going on inside of you, there might be some restlessness, and some, some stuff that's keeping you from, from being at peace, um, we as a, as a society are so focused on treating our symptoms and not our causes. And all we want to do is get through what's discomforting right now, and then we want to keep going on. And Jacob, when he said to, to Jesus, when Jesus said, let me go, this is what Jacob said, I want you to take us with you. He says, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Well, what was Jacob doing there? And what do we do when we cry out to God and say, God, I need help, I need help. And see, when you, when you really think about it, how, can, how could Jacob have wrestled with God all night long? A lot of people struggle with that. They say, well, God's God. He, he could have squashed Jacob. He couldn't wrestle with him all night long. And, and you think, well, how can that happen? And the truth is, you're your own best testimony to prove that that's true. You say, well, what do you mean? We wrestle with God every day. He tries to get us to do things to get us to a better place, and yet we resist it. We'll come up with excuses. We'll try to legitimize it. You know, God teaches on, you know, God teaches very clearly in his word on giving, but yet people fight that and they will wrestle with that and they will, and, and the reason that you can wrestle with God all night or your whole life is because God will never violate your will. He will never make you do what's right. He will just try to lead you to do what's right. And as we leave today, what I want you to do is I want you to, to think about when, you're, when you find yourself in that wrestling match, uh, ask yourself, God, is, is this something you're trying to show me that I need to make some corrections? Is this something you're showing me so I can get to a better place? And if it is, know that when God's wrestling with you, it's never to break you, it's always to lead you and, and to show you a better way. And it's always going to be up to you whether you submit or not. And it's very exciting next week about what happened when when Jacob said, I'm not going to let go to you bless me. Really what he was saying, he was saying, listen, I want you to change my circumstance, but I'm not willing to change. I'm not going to stop wrestling you. I'm not going to yield to what you want me to do, but I do want you to change my difficult circumstances that I'm facing. And as we leave today, I want you to go out thinking about the situations and the circumstances that you face in life, and are they there because you're not leading or leaning into what God has for you? Are you resisting and wrestling with God about that? Or are you open to God, taking you to a better place? Because when you allow God to lead you, it always brings you to a more peaceful place. Remember what it says? He's going to cause you to, to lie down in tall grass next to still waters. In other words, he's going he's to bring you to a place that's very peaceful. And he's going to bring you to a place, if you let him, to a place of provision, a place of protection. He'll be there to guard you. This is all for you if you just let God lead you. Amen? I hope you got something out of this. I hope that you'll be here next week to hear the rest of it because it's really cool how Jacob at his worst, God shows up at his best and turns the whole situation around. Amen? If you would, bow your heads, close your eyes. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word today. I thank you that it was instructive, possibly even corrective, but for sure it was enlightening. We ask you to hear our voice As we lift up our prayers to you, we thank you that you brought us your word today and that our hearts were open to receive it so that we can have full revelation knowledge imparted into our spirits and that we can be able to grow and become the people that you've created us to be. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as Lord, if you've never allowed him into your life in such a way where, yeah, maybe you're wrestling with him, maybe he's trying to show you something, but know this, he's always for you He's never against you. He has a plan for you. He's willing to to give everything so that you could be back into that original relationship with your heavenly father. He paid the price so that your punishment would be put on him and not on you. It's all about the love that he has for you. So what I want you to do is right now, if you've never made him Lord of your life, the Bible, when Paul talked about, he said, I beseech you. What I'm doing is I'm begging you, make time for God, make place for God in your life. He won't force his way in, but if you open your heart, he'll come in in a big way. So please, here today, hear my voice. If you do not know Jesus Christ, if you're online and you're watching this, hear my voice, he is for you. He loves you, he's not against you, he's not holding a grudge against you. He wants you to know that he loved you enough to pay the price for all of your sin. And all that you have to do is to receive it as a gift from him. The Bible says if we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth. So if you're here today, and you say, that's me, preacher, I want that. And you've never made Jesus Christ Lord of your life. It's not about joining the church. It's not about any of that. It's about letting God love you. If that's you, I'd like to see your hand. Nobody else is looking around. Nobody else is focused on you. Anybody? Looking around? Amen. We're all saved at want to be. Praise God. If you're out there and you need this, then repeat after me and say this prayer. And we're going to say it with you because that's how important it is to us here at Faith Family. Heavenly Father, Today, I believe, according to your word, that you sent your son, your perfect son, to die in my place to pay the price for my sin. I received that sacrifice. I want to say thank you right now as I confess it with my mouth. Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. Praise God. God is good again guys this This is the end of this teaching we hope you enjoyed it to stay connected with our ministry visit us on the web at myffc.tv or like us on Facebook